Hello, I do hope that you're doing well. This is Africa Climate News Podcast, Karibu Sana, a bi-monthly weekly podcast dedicated to bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogo. First, some news. We have changed our programming from weekly to bi-monthly. Two reasons. My long-term dreams was to have the podcast go beyond Sophie and hence moving from conversations to more field-based reporting. But once in a while, we'll actually have these conversations. And as you know, content production is highly demanding. We want to take some time to visit the field and produce the content. Secondly, we want to give you enough time to engage with the content we are producing. Another thing we are growing, we are also incorporating other African journalists' reports. We will be producing not just the podcast, but also videos, hence a YouTube channel is coming to you soon. So, the Africa Climate News Podcast will be coming to you twice a month. Do not forget that it is available on Spotify, Google, Podcast Addict, Apple, and you can find a quick access link on our website and our social media profiles. But today we talk about secondhand clothes and pollution in Kenya. Now, globally, only 30% of collected clothing are resold on domestic markets due to poor quality and low resale value. Now, the rest are billed and sold to textile merchants who ship to countries among them Kenya and many other sub-Saharan African countries. In 2019, a 2021 report by the Institute for Economic Affairs noted that Kenya imported 185,000 tons of second-hand clothes. This is about 8,000 containers of mitumba, as we popularly call them here in Kenya. Now, the clothes and shoes sold in the second-hand market started as donations from rich nations such as the UK, uh, the US, uh, to charitable organizations and were meant for developing nations. But over the years, the second-hand industry has grown from donations to a market amounting to pay taxes of about 12 billion shillings in Kenya. That is in 2019. Unfortunately, these clothes are becoming a hazard in their afterlife. They're either burnt, adding toxins to the environment, or dumped in landfills and clogging our waterways. Now, Paul Kamau, an associate professor at the University of Nairobi Institute for Development Studies, who have extensively researched the textile industry trade, explains the genesis, the standards, and why the demand of secondhand clothes imports in Kenya. Secondhand clothes, we can trace it back to 1980s following what we call trade liberalization policy in Kenya and in Africa. You remember in mid nineties, when countries were going through difficult phases of their budget deficit, there were some changes that were proposed for them to adapt through World Bank and IMF. We refer to them as structural adjustment program. One area or that uh, the structural adjustment program focused on was to remove controls in trade. Mm -hmm. Ideally, countries were supposed to shift from what we call import substitution, industrialization policy, to export promotion. So that instead of trying to manufacture for domestic market, you manufacture for external market. That's what we call export promotion. Before that, there was a lot of control in terms of imports of clothing that could be brought into the country. 
much of it had to be produced by local industry. That's what we call import substitution. So you control the import and try to manufacture what you need from within. So there was the, the River Tex, Mount Tex, uh, Raymond, Kenya Neat, Nakuru, Nakuru Branket, and those were the main suppliers or producers. They were enjoying what we call infant industry protection. So in order for them to thrive, they were protected through policies that regulated the amount of imports of finished clothes that could come to the country. That is the time tailors in our villages had a lot of work because if you have bought a new cloth and it got on, the only way to keep it going was to take it to a tailor so that it could be repaired and we continue wearing them. Back to the issue of liberalization. Trade liberalization meant that government did not need to control entry of foreign commodities. And it was left to market forces so that uh, government intervention was minimal as a result of structural adjustment program. What did that mean? Is that now people could import anything they needed or whatever they felt was needed in the country. So you are opening trade. And immediately in mid 80s and uh, 90s, when the trade policy was uh, reformed, then Kenya changed from a closed economy where there was a lot of control to an open economy where market forces were led to run as opposed to government intervening. So fast forward, then the Mitumba started flowing in the country, initially as donation for the less privileged people. So it was in the charity world that people in developed world would donate clothing through Oxfam, CARE, and other NGOs to come and help those people who are less privileged in developing countries. But with the trade liberalization, people saw an opportunity to make business out of this product. So they started mobilizing collection. In fact, the initial distribution of Mitumba from the West to Africa was through church aid. But with time, this change from aid to trade. So now the collection was commercialized. People would go and collect whatever was in the bin, work on them, fumigate, and then package for a less developing countries market. There are policies and regulations to control the nature and quality of products that are imported into the country. So the trade liberalization says that you cannot restrict the quantity because before that you could say we are only going to import maybe goods worth one billion and once the billion is reached it doesn't care will we lock under trade liberalization it means that government cannot use those we call um, non-tariff control mechanism mm -hmm. so what does the government do is to impose uh, an import tax so there's an importation tax to regulate control. And this becomes also a revenue generating avenue for the government. Just like when you import a car, there's an excess duty and there's an import tax. All those are price mechanism of trying to control because now you cannot use non-price mechanism where you can say we are only going to import this amount of product into the country. So trade liberalization this allowed government from controlling quantitatively how much 
is going to be imported into the country, other than through price adjustment, so that we are saying let the market forces be the determinant of what is imported or what is not imported in the country. In terms of standard, we have the standard policy under the Kenya Bureau of Standards. And the Kenya Bureau of Standards is the one that is supposed to authorize importation into the country in terms of whether they meet the quality. And there are instances where second-hand clothing imports have been banned when they were found not to be meeting health standard, they are not meeting the fumigation standard, they are not meeting the environmental standard. So we can also bring caps on board in terms of ensuring that importation to the country are not adverse to the environment. But the other factors that um, the market is very dynamic and even what they do, they know what do we send to Uganda, what do we send to Kenya, what do we send to Tanzania for that matter, based on the income and affordability. And if you read the book, The Travels of a T-shirt, we'll see how the traders there are able to do what we call market segmentation so that they can now see what we send to this particular market, what we send to this other market, what we send to this market based on the disposable income, the market structures, the regulations and the controls. So if there's higher demand in higher income countries, then that's where maybe the top layer of these goods go to. And in that connection, then we might see a decline in terms of the standard or quality of the product that comes to Kenya. So this is really a major force and uh, the market is quite huge and involving both the rich and the poor. If I may just mention that between 2015 and 2020, last year, as per the statistics that are available, the importation of second-hand clothing was at 10 billion in 2015, at 10.159 actually. In 2016, it increased to 12.899 billion. In 2017, to 13.0. 0.061 billion uh, in 2018 to 16.9 billion in 2019 to 17.7 billion mm. in 2020 and again this may have slowed down because of the covid and there were restriction of importation the figure was reported as 16.3 billion so this is a big market and um, it contributes definitely to the GDP because now people are able to close themselves even when they don't have much income as it was before. Not to mention that in terms of consumption, but also people that are employed in that sector is quite um, uh, a lot. Currently, the statistics show that there are over 2.5 million who work in the industry either directly or indirectly. So they derive their livelihood from secondhand clothing. Uh, what raises this demand for secondhand clothing? Mm. I'll mention two factors. One is the price. Comparatively, because this is a used product and you know the origin is like people who live in the first world, they buy seasonal clothes. So it is summer, you actually empty your wad and then buy summer clothes. So you discard all your 
winter clothes. Mm -hmm. Then after the summer is over, you are preparing for autumn, then you start buying warm clothes. So people don't maybe hold clothes like we do in our context because our weather and our climate allow us to keep clothes for long because there's not that huge variation. And of course, the issue of income. So when these commodities find themselves into the local market, the second one is the uniqueness. And uh, it's important to note that uh, even for us, you don't want to wear a T-shirt and um, the moment you're walking two meters, you find someone else with that. It's actually not comfortable for ladies. That's what my research has shown than for men. So that uniqueness that you can be wearing something that is not very common is also a driving factor. Initially, there was also the element of durability. And uh, most people felt that the Mitumba clothing are more durable than the new clothing. Uh, this may have changed over time, but uh, this is something that is debatable because there's that narrative that uh, something made of Mitumba would be more lasting than a local product. So looking at all this, again, uh, we can say that it's a, uh, it's a huge market. It has many players, and therefore, we cannot just ignore it. Mm -hmm. It's something that government needs to be thinking through, particularly now when Kenya income is growing. So we are getting more and more uh, richer people. And uh, this product we buy, of course, they are cheaper to most Kenyans, and they can afford now to resell when you have used the second-hand clothing. So at best, we trust ship them to our villages. We give to our neighbors, to our, our relatives back in the village, who use them again for one or two years, and then they are discarded. Either they are burnt or they are left into the landfills. So they have impact on environment that has not really been looked at, in my view. So we need to start where do these products end up once they have been used by people in the villages or even ourselves. We just throw them in the dustbin and uh, allow the garbage collectors to take them without care on how they're going to affect the environment. Africa has the youngest population in the world. The UN says 70% of the sub-Saharan African population is under the age of 30, hence the demand for employment. In Kenya, Kamau says Mitumba employs over 2.5 million people, either working directly or indirectly in the industry. Janet Moiruri, a 25-year-old, is among the youth earning a living from selling Mitumba clothes. Murori says that despite the sector coming to aid unemployed youth, the COVID-19 pandemic has worsened the business. Has the quality of goods also changed over the years? Here is Murori. I think it's a good business for someone who is not employed. So I chose this path because right now in our country, getting a job, it's a bit challenging. So you'd rather self-employed. But with the economy and how things are running, it's a bit challenging but it's a good job. But since COVID, the access of clothes is not as comparable to other years before COVID. The access right now is a bit challenging. It's a bit low than before. So business also runs a bit slow because the quality of clothes that you wanted, you can't access 
right now. It's a mixture of less clothing and also bad quality. So what happens if you're buying a bale, you'll have good quality. In the mix of that bale, you'll find also bad quality. It has been there, but it wasn't like after COVID, I can say. Right now, the quality of goods that we're having is a mixture. Good and bad at the same scale. Like, let's say, for example, if I'm buying a pajama, I need it as a set. I need a trouser or a short and with its top. So when I go buy, I might find a top that is torn or maybe stained. And it's a stain that can't be removed. Coming to sell, you see, you can't sell to a customer something that is already damaged. Before, at least the good was a bit high. The bad was a bit low. So even making profits was much easier. When you go to the market, they sell in grades. There's the first grade, there's the second grade, and all that is sold to people of, of different markets. There's a person that will buy the first grade with this money, the second grade with this money, the third grade with this money, the fourth grade. Sasa is it So that happens. So I don't I can't really say that there's a lot of clothes or products from Gikomba that really is thrown away, no? You know, in Gikomba, we have a lot of people. Even the Fagia person, even him, he'll come, maybe the, the cloth that wasn't taken by the first, second, third person, atakuja chukwe and take the cloth and maybe go do something with the cloth rather than its necessary need at that time. If it's trouser, maybe he'll go. Wherever the stain was, let's say the stain was at the hip area, maybe he go cut and make something else. Morore is not the only one depending on the Metumba business for survival. Africa Collect Textile Act collects and recycles used textiles and footwear in Kenya and Nigeria. About 40 youth are directly employed in Kenya, with Nigeria employing about 10 people. Alex Musembi, Africa Collect Textile co-founder, explains why recycle used textiles and footwear. The reason why we are collecting textiles is because there's a lot of opportunity in terms of value. 500 billion US dollars goes into value for textiles, so there's a lot of opportunities. A lot of textiles goes into waste, and that means loss of value, and it ends up into rivers and into ocean and also into, into the landfills. So for us to be able to create jobs in the country or to make the country being industrialized, then uh, the reason why we are doing the textile business. And uh, the, the issue why people are discussing about the second hand clothing is because even the quality of textiles over time has really been degraded. They're not made up of, let's say, 100% cotton or certain percentage of polyester. Our tests are now being made out of synthetic fibers, which is very dangerous because with the synthetic fibers is something that uh, once you, you are done with it, you cannot, for example, recycle it. It has to, to go into waste and it's very unfortunately. 50% in our bills, they are completely waste. And therefore, I would like to tell the likes of Europe, US and Canada, Africa is not a dumping site. So if you are going to put bills, put good stuff for our traders. Act currently has nearly 40 collecting points in Nairobi and 8 in Lagos, Nigeria. Each bin, with about 150 kilograms capacity, is placed either at a shopping mall, a restaurant, schools, and some hospitals. In Kenya, Musembi says Act started collecting 100 kilograms a year of used textile in 2019 to 20,000 kilograms, and now targeted at 50,000 kilograms annually. Today, the company exports one container of handmade carpets, rugs, 
toys, jackets, backpacks and many other items to Europe while still selling some locally. Mosambi explains the recycling business and markets. The quality of the stuff we are collecting, we cannot claim all a second and kind of clothing that, that came from, from Europe. Yes, I understand every product, whether it's brand new items, because we we come across different types of brand, the likes of Tommy Hilfiger, the likes of Nike, Adidas. Um, I'll say the quality of what we are collecting, 80% of course is good, wearability. And 20% is a bit is trash. Mm. And uh, as soon as uh, we collect these items, we bring it into a warehouse where we do the sorting and we sort according to wearability, we sort according to quality, we sort according to grades. And as soon as the items are sorted, then we have that business model, which is processing. So we process materials such as denim into, into carpet or into rugs. We are making stuff toys. We are making, you know, backpacks out of that. So there's a lot of stuff we are doing with the, with the collected textiles. Our main market, we have the local market and we have the international market. For example, with our rugs, we're exporting it to, to Europe. We, we have one of our key distributors known as Nick and Mick. They buy stuff from us. The Africa Collect Textiles, the Shanty in South Africa, and the Ocean Soul in Kenya. And purely is only buying for companies that's concentrated in keeping the environment clean. And uh, for the local market, we are doing a lot for the stuffed toys within the supermarket, how it's being distributed in the pop up market that we are participating in every almost every weekend. So our market is generally two in, in Broadway the local and international market. As in any other market, the business generates waste. Musembi says ACT has been piling the waste at a garage. ACT is working with the Kenya Industrial Research and Development Institute, Kirde, and the Netherlands Engineers Without Borders to purchase and install a shredding machine. This will ensure in future that nothing goes to waste. Over time, anything that you cannot process, we have been piling it up in our, in our stories. So our garage now is full of, of textiles. This year we are bringing a shredder machine and we are going to process all these textiles that we cannot process. We call that process a downcycling process. And we are going to produce a product that is fluffy, homogeneous and lightweight. We call it a fiber material. So we are going to use it for our pillows, for our sofa set filling, for our stuffed toys. And we are now 2024, we are going to do it for furniture, for proof and insulation materials. It is a huge market for here because we have a lot of processing companies that are doing stuffed toys. Every home in our Kenya, we are having sofa set, eh? so that means we are having traders who are producing or manufacturing sofa set. And uh, normally our sofa set has some filling inside, so that's how it can be. Some, some people put mattresses, some people put textiles, as long as that material is comfy to sit on. So we are going to provide an alternative source of material, that's what I'm calling the fiber, that will even be much comfy as an alternative to other material that has been several been used to, to produce the sofa set yeah. as a film. Kamau says Kenya's policies on Mitumba has centered on the economic importance the sector brings to Kenya over the years. Despite Mitumba's finding their way to the environment, unfortunately there has not been a focus on the industry's increasing pollution impacts. The second-hand clothes are already choking Kenyan environment. What solution exists in sustainably managing the second-hand clothes and the larger textile industry waste? Of course, the socio-economic benefits has been the driving force. First of all, we have a lot of interested parties, some who are even in the policy-making decision table. So if you 
just say we are going to ban Mitumba, even within the government, this is going to be fought very severely. Not to mention people who are in the industry. So I would like to say that environmental issues is only now that they are getting to the forefront of discussion. For a long time, people or even the policymakers did not think of these clothes that we are wearing as a deterrent to a favorable environmental situation in the country. So uh, I think there was uh, the feeling that most of the clothing would be biodegradable and they're going to see through the environment without causing any serious damage. Yeah. Of course, now there's high, this increasing awareness, but as we speak, I don't think there's any specific policy targeting on environmental. This has not been a center focus of our policies. The best we can see is how the circular economy is looking at the industrial circular flow. But in the clothing, especially in the second-hand clothing, this is quite limited as far as I have read and experienced. So the focus has been more on the social and economic benefit of the sector as opposed to the impact on the environment. And where I see the challenge is collection, because uh, much of the clothing that we use, we don't dispose them in a very sustainable manner. We just let them freeze. Because if a piece of cloth has moved from here to Lamu, for example, mm. and that happens a lot, how do we collect it back to Nairobi? What incentive do we put in place so that once I'm tired of using t-shirt of mine, I will allow it to go back, right? Who creates that incentive? We must make it very difficult to let it into the environment so that like we do with a bottle of soda, you know, you leave a deposit so that once you return, you get that deposit and it becomes part of the pricing. But when we look at the clothing, it's so personal it is so individualized that I would not find value that I've used these clothes for too long, allow me now to send it back for recycling. Before, we used to have those second-hand clothing uh, converted to materials for pillowcases and mattresses before. But now, with again, the rising and availability of cheaper mattresses and pillows, there's no value in getting the old one. So um, that has been there. But the issue of collection and in incentivizing so that once a consumer is done with a piece of clothing, then they are able to return them back. That's the only way we can create a circular flow for the secondhand clothes and new clothes in Kenya. And with increasing income, then it's becoming a problem because people are able to buy more clothes and because we don't have sustainable disposable methods then we end up just throwing them together with other trashes and that therefore even sorting them at that level is very difficult again you may have experienced this from the your visit in developed world that in every situation when you are disposing of your garbage they are garbage where you put what can be biodegradable, we have where we can put what can be recycled, and where we put things that could be environmental and friendly. In our context, and in context of most developing countries, we dump everything together. 
So even by the time it gets to a level of sorting, you have put it with your ugali, with your mboga, with everything, and they stay there for a week. So even that piece of clothing, by the time it's getting to be collected, it may not be useful. And that in itself, so with this a lot to be done from enlightening people to be able to separate garbage so that we take care of our environment. The solution for now would be one, to create awareness. So the policy should ensure that consumers are informed about the implications of the product we are utilizing as our clothing in terms of environment if we don't dispose them sustainably. Two, the issue of user pay and the some work I'm doing currently or in terms of solar energy equipment, because that's another area that yeah, if you yeah. really need to handle is becoming a nightmare. You yeah. buy solar panels that die after five years, where do people throw them? Again, in landfill. And those are even more dangerous because they have lithium yeah. that is so toxic to the environment. So there's a research that I'm undertaking to understand whether there is any policy. And I have talked to Kinamasharia too from the Ministry of Environment. I'm talking to the National Environmental Management Authority to see whether there is policy. Obviously, there's the discussion at the government level in terms of having a policy to regulate recycling of the materials that are being disposed. Because with time, this realization that they are causing serious damage to the environment. It may not look severe, but with time, we will find all those pieces of cloth in every part of our country. So the issue is for controlling, do you use a user tax? And what does that do? Many times, even if we were to introduce a tax now for say 5% will be for the environment. A t-shirt maybe I was buying for a hundred shillings, uh, holding everything constant, it will be 105 shillings. Meaning that the government has generated 500 shillings by way of tax, which is good. Now, ideally, or in real situation, the five shillings, which is the user tax, is supposed to use to collect, right? So yeah. that you collect it back from where it is. Mm. Or you are told, if you bring this clothing back, then we are going to refund you the 5%. So that's the incentives I'm talking about. But at the moment, it remains a policy discussion. I don't think even that policy has gone through the cabinet. It's still in draft form. So it has not been finalized to be asserted into law, but it's something that we are discussing. So the government has a lot to do in terms of trying to have a policy and don't just have a policy for all used goods. It should be a policy specific to the clothing, should be specific to electronic waste, like the phones we use at home. Once your phone has, or you've taken it for repair once, you just discard it. And what do we do? We put it in our normal garbage and they are collected to the Dora. But if we make this a policy so that the collection is not done at the landfills, but at the point of disposal, that would make more sense and would be able to address this problem before it becomes a huge environmental issue. Musembi hopes Kenya soon develops and enforces a policy encouraging recycling of its textile and secondhand clothes imports as 
its European counterparts are doing. There's also a policy that's coming in which is going to come quickly. We call it the extended producer responsibility. And therefore, every company needs to be responsible with their waste. So I think NEMA should tighten that and should hold every company accountable to really understand where their waste goes into. Because clearly, our waste goes into the landfill, into the rivers and into the oceans. So this is not a rocket science. That's the basic kind of what we are seeing around here. And therefore, it's the responsibility of the government bodies to ensure that is prevented and that's being diverted. So there has to be infrastructure to do that and an ample environment to do that. So even the city council of Nairobi, there has to be maybe some kind of funding if they cannot either do that because I know it's kind of a complex kind of business activity, but they can help the entrepreneur in terms of money or in terms of logistics to ensure that is that's being done. Mm. Why I know that in Europe by 2025, the next three years, we are all supposed to have the PEF, the product environmental footprint. So that means Every company that's going to export their product to Europe, then they must have that certificate, meaning to explain how their product was sourced, how ethically it was produced, because you know very clearly some people, some companies, they're undermining other people in terms of labor, cheap labor to, to produce their items, which is very wrong. Number, number two, that history. That's why, that, that explains the reason why each of our products will be having the QR code so that anybody can really scan and can really understand the history of how his or her textile has been traveling or how it has been produced. So that's what's happening. I know like in the countries like in the Netherlands, by 2015, every garment or every material that's being produced, 20 to 30% must have the recycled fibers. So that's where the world is going. The world is going towards circularity now. Kamau believe it's time Kenya triggers her thinking beyond the consumption of second-hand clothes. Be specific on her policies for the sake of our environment. The truth of the matter is that there's no transshipment to other countries. I was looking at the statistics. We don't export mitumba, so it's very unlikely that we see Kenya trading with Uganda on Mitumba. So it's like Mitumbas go to Uganda directly, they come to Kenya directly. So the disposal point is Kenya. And therefore what comes to Kenya, if we don't take care of it, it will end up being in the, in the economy for all. So the earlier we start this discussion, the better for the environment. Because I think the draft policy is far from complete. And again, it's too general. Perhaps yeah. the way forward is to look at specific one addressing each commodity because the recycling, the return policies should be clear to specific products. And that is all we had for you today. Remember, programming has changed from weekly to bi-weekly. Please catch us up on Spotify, Google, Apple, Podcast Addict, Captive, and many other podcast channels. For easy access, please click on the link below. I will see you on the 5th of April. Please get in touch with us using info at africaclimateconversations.com. Do not also forget to check our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com. Kwaheri for now, my name is Sophie Pogwa.